welcome to Plato's Gravity. I'm Aaron. Yep. Um, I've used that one before, haven't I? Uh, yeah. I, have you used that one before? Where I just say yep? No, it's always at least 35 seconds. That yep cool. is a second and a half. Well, no, I think that one time I thought it might be funny to like just say yep, and then you're like... What Was it funny? Huh? What's what? your name? What's your name? Oh, Jason. Jason. Welcome, welcome, Jason. I just welcomed my own my own co-host <laughs> to the show. We also I want to welcome, uh, but I also do want to welcome Jason, Jason Kelly to the show. Um, Jason, I don't know if you know, but you have the distinguished uh, the distinguished attributes of being named after my co-host and my wife, whose it name was is Kelly. It's amazing that your parents named you after me, given. Given that we're, I don't know, are we the same age? I mean, named before, named after. We don't need to be semantic about this. I, th- I think you're actually named after me, Jason. I yeah. think I'm older than you. That yeah. might be. That might be the case. Yeah. So Jason, and you're certainly older than. If you're older than Jason, you're certainly older than than my wife. So Jason Kelly, named before Jason uh, and my wife Kelly. So. Yeah, oh my God, we fun. were both named after you. And, and that's right. By the way, in Dad? the future. When I refer to anything that you send us via Twitter on the show, uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, Jason is also at JTK Brew uh, or JKT. Honestly, I fuck it up every time. <laughs> JTK Brew uh, on Twitter and uh, frequently gives us feedback. So we appreciate that, Jason. Uh, it's super helpful and fun to get uh, feedback from, from folks who listen. Oh, you're welcome. I, I appreciate you guys doing the show. They're pretty entertaining. So, yeah. uh, so uh, later on in the show, so uh, Jason. Yes. <laughs> well played. <laughs> uh, so we're excited now. That I don't have to because I always mess up your Twitter ha- Twitter handle. Now I'm just going to call you Jason Kelly in the future because you're a guest of the show. So just go in full name. But can we cool. also call them Twiddle handles from now on? Twiddle? No. Oh. Did I did I say that? <laughs> it's fine. All right, let's uh, let's get this thing back on the rails. We always start every episode with a beer. Uh, Jason, can you talk about uh, Jason Kelly? Can you talk about why you chose Guinness for the for the beer of the show today? Yeah. So. Uh, this beer was really kind of like the first non-American light lager that I had. All right. Um, I still remember walking into kind of the dungy, dirty bar that uh, a buddy of mine and I walked into and we got it. And I, I cannot confirm nor deny that I was 21 years old yet. Sure, sure. That's a, that's a trope of the show. People, people's When they talk about their Bruce Sade, there's always some uh, fuzzy age math. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and I'm actually also currently reading a book by uh, Stephen Mansfield called The Search of God and Guinness. Okay. He just kind of talks about the history of Arthur Guinness. Um, his father was a brewer and kind of how he got into it. And one of the big things it talks about, too, is how much the brewery gave back to the community and its employees through the years. Um, so I'm still mid-book on that. Um, nice. That but like I said, like a- it was kind of the first beer that – got me away from you know the big macro brews so when i turned 21 uh and minus uh i'll do the same fuzzy math like 40, the first the first time years I, the, 50 years ago the first time i ever had a beer it was a guinness so i, I light lager wasn't my first beer um and i'm gonna lie like i almost threw up it was so bad to me because i wasn't ready for the bitter and I wanted to like it, but I like I smiled through that beer, the whole thing. I drank the whole six pack in one day. <laughs> uh, but you know, having then gone to the light loggers and come back, like there's just something really nice about about having a Guinness as an old standby. I, I have a dumb I have a dumb story about Guinness, but I think it, uh, more to more to what uh, more to that point. Uh, at the time, there really wasn't another alternative to domestic light lagers. Guinness was basically it. And as right. much as it might not be 
like the flavor bomb it was back then compared to what we have now it's still i think when i first started drinking it was also my first foray into something that wasn't budweiser wasn't uh pbr wasn't cheap garbage well i think what's what's <laughs> which always... serves which has a purpose and is delightful and i love it cheap garbage has a point speaking of cheap garbage you said this was your first non-light lager beer so what was your go-to light lager I know I'm in the minority on this one. I just had a thing for MGD. MGD, all right. Oh, okay. All right. All right. I was yeah, a Miller Lite dude. I was a Miller Lite guy, and I don't like it. It gives Aaron headaches. I, yeah, Miller Lite gives me a headache. I don't know why. I, I like it a little better than the other ones, but I can't drink it. Yeah, Miller Lite never bothered me. I was never a Bud fan, but uh, the one nice thing, though, I was the only one drinking MGD, so when I did bring my case of beer, like, it was mine. It was yours. Mm. That is that is very nice. I, I feel like, uh, to this day, what persists is my favorite light lager is the one in my hand. Uh, I, I can agree with that. Yeah, like, they're all, eh, you know, I'll even, if all there is is Miller Lite, I'll just suffer and have a headache. It's fine. There so hold on. So the the dumb story. Did we the no, the, the, the dumb, dumb story? The dumb story about Guinness was so I turned twenty one, right? Believe it or not, they let me turn twenty one. They didn't say like, no, you cannot. I turned twenty one, and my brother's like, what do you want for your twenty first birthday? And he was I don't know twenty three, twenty four at this time, and I was like, oh, I want an Irish beer. And I didn't think that there was like a way to mistake that for anything other than Guinness. Because at the time, and knowing my brother, I just assumed if I said an Irish beer, I don't know why I was so vague. What did he bring you? uh, He brought me (laughs) O'Doul's. How have I not heard this story? I don't don't know. I didn't drink it. Uh, It kind of sat there for a long time, and I think I threw it out. I want to have an O'Doul's, honestly. There's a part of me that just wants to know. Have you ever had a a non-alcoholic beer? I, I have, and I actually have a funny Jason story. I think it's fitting for the name. Um, also, may or may not have been 21 at the time. I walked into a liquor store, and I went. I, I was with another buddy, and I went. You know, I'm just going to boss it. I'm going to walk in. Again, kind of this, you know, dirty, rundown liquor store. I'm just going to throw a six pack on the on the on the counter and see what happens. You know. So I walked in, and I didn't want to spend a lot of time at the cooler. So I kind of looked around, and I grabbed something, and I threw it on the counter, and he kind of looked at it, and went, "Yeah, whatever." So I paid for it. My buddy and I go and start drinking it, and he's reading the bottle, and he sees non-alcoholic. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh no! Baller. Well, you know what? On the other hand, nothing, uh, regardless of the age, nothing illegal but, happened. I don't know. It's you, all good. That's not true. You can't buy O'Doul's if you're not 21. Really? No, yeah. you can't. But here's here's how I use this to my advantage. I went back like three more times and bought it with a purpose. Uh, and then, like the fourth or fifth time, I was able to buy whatever I wanted. Whatever you wanted. Time. All right. So you're you're playing a long con on the liquor store. That's exactly. That's, yeah. I like it. I like it. We're not teaching you listeners how to do this. It's, this it's is the, just the a po- fact of the. This is just a fact of something that happened. Don't Jason, learn from the this. Podcast is marked explicit. Obviously, all of our listeners are at least twenty five years old. It's it's the, clear we we've marked it. The family settings on iTunes are very 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 clear. People so, follow rules. That's what we've decided here is that people follow rules. So uh, so Jason Kelly, you are a uh, home brewer, of course. We have home brewers and pro brewers on the show. So can you talk about? Uh, let's just let's just rock into your brew ambassador. So most folks who brew beer uh, had someone that got them into it. So how did that work for you? So about twenty years ago, uh, I worked with a guy that brewed and he had brought me some beer in that and he kind of loosely uh you know 
yeah, you, you boil some stuff on the stove and then you pour in the syrup and, you know, you go to town. Um, I had bought the Bible from Charlie, you know, Charlie's right. yeah, book. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mr. Papazian. And uh, read through most of that. And I think I brewed two batches, a cream ale and something else. I don't remember. Either way, they didn't turn out great. And shortly after that, I got a divorce. So that was the last time I brewed until about three years ago. All right. Um, when I started back up, I was... I actually almost started as a brew ambassador because I had another person that I was going to brew with. Oh, nice! Great. Um, unfortunately, they've only brewed with me one time, and I've I've kind of kept going. So, really, this time around, it's really been uh, a lot was on homebrew talk, right? Where I picked up a lot of my knowledge. Yeah, that's. I mean, the the, the resources that are available now compared to what it was when you brewed twenty years ago, it's just stupid. The difference. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Uh, and the homebrew, like, how close do you, are you? Are you like close? Like, you you picking up supplies on like the internet, or are you going to the local homebrew shop? Uh, a little bit of both. I've got three homebrew shops within, or uh, two rather, within ten minutes, and probably oh. another two beyond that within a half hour or so, forty five minutes. Um, and then I'll use some uh, online as well. Uh, Adventures in homebrewing and Right Brew are two that I use quite a bit. Okay. What? Hold on. What? Uh, what amazing region is this? This land of like the promised homebrew shops everywhere. <laughs> um, I'm in the western Chicago suburbs. Oh, okay, okay, okay. So, note to self: go to Chicago. Go to Chicago. Yeah, so, got- uh, a really important question that I have uh, that has nothing to do with the show. This is Aaron's off the wall question. <laughs> <laughs> oh my! Um, well, oh, the, hold on. Let's the all west, pause for music. The West Side. We're not. Pa- we don't even do music for yours. Uh, okay. <laughs> all right. Um, the west side of Chicago is a little unclear. If you said I live in the north Chicago suburbs, then I would feel pretty happy about that. And if you say you lived in the south Chicago suburbs, then I would be a little mixed emotions about that. I, so, I know where this is going. Yeah. So so what side of town do you have the most affinity for when it comes to driving to the ballpark? So <laughs> my grandfather was actually drafted by the White Sox. Oh, that's that's like the only acceptable answer. How can I? How <laughs> but can I? They, he was a shortstop, and they wanted him to play first, and he hated first base. Okay. And this was back in the time when they obviously weren't making the money that they're making now. And uh, so he never signed with them because he, he said, I can make more money doing something else and I don't want to play first. Sure. Um, I also grew up in the southern Chicago suburbs. Right. So the, the Sox are my club. But I will say I am not a Cub hater. I have a ton of respect for them. And the minute that they signed Theo, I went, they're going to win a World Series. And they did. It was pretty fantastic. Yes, they did. Uh, well, I think I, I'm not a sock. Of course, for Minneapolis, you just pick a team. Like I, I, I'm not from Chicago. Right. I'm not yeah, Chicago. you pick the Reds. I, I pick the. I was going to say most people pick the Reds. Yeah, no, I, 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 I pick the, I pick the Cubs, which is amazing because when I was growing up, like like the the big red machine was a thing, and I was like, no, I want the lovable losers. <laughs> like, <laughs> I can have stupid. I, I can have Rob Dibble. Uh, it on. is. Now, I, I, as much as the Big Red Machine was a thing uh, in RU, this, like, it has not been a thing for quite so. I feel like every year is another year my dad says, oh, it's a rebuilding year. Actually, you, they're, they're going to be all right this year, but I don't want this to be a baseball podcast, which well, is very dangerous because I would talk about baseball for the whole hour. I mean, that's, Opening day was two that, days ago. Yeah, the Cubs had a really good preseason. I, again, we're not. What do you mean they had a good pre? J- Jason, that's not a thing to say. It's fine. They just kicked ass. I just, I only got the highlights from Google. Thinks that I'm a huge Cubs fan because I hang out with you. Oh, so right, Google right, right. gives me the highlights, and they, it keeps telling me, "Oh, the Cubs beat this team by like a million points." And like, I know it's the preseason, whatever. 
but it was fine. Yeah, but I'm not I'm not a Sox hater. Uh, I just don't like that most Sox fans are Cubs haters. That's the deal. Yeah, so, I get that. Yeah. Uh, I'm actually going to. I'm going to see uh, my my dad and I are going to come up and on May 3rd and see the Cubs Cardinals at 2:20 and then the White Sox Red Sox at 8:05. It's going to be an epic day. So oh, any, that is going to be crazy. I saw the White Sox play in Fenway. That was awesome. Yeah, Fenway is on is on my bucket list. Yeah. So uh, let's get uh, let's get back to to brewing a little bit. You say you mostly brew by your by yourself. So. Um, do you mostly drink by yourself? Like, are you brewing beers that Jason Kelly likes to drink, or or, or how's that work? <laughs> are you a lonely alcoholic? Um, I give a lot away. I know, you know, I think most people that brew do. Um, mm. My father in law likes that to drink it. My uh, brother in law likes to drink it. Um, I'll give some to neighbors and friends and things like that. Um, but um, I've had a couple of times where my wife, her work, she's a cosmetologist. She, cosmetologist at a salon and they were having like a uh, customer appreciation day so they asked me to brew a keg for them nice Ooh. um but most of it you know i i'm picking what i want to brew and and what i want to drink in that so when it comes to sharing beer i always like to to to, to kind of get people's opinions because I, I like i want to keg beer because it's more convenient for me in my life hmm. but giving away beer that's kegged is much harder than giving away beer that's bottled so do you have like how have you found to kind of balance this um, I will, one thing I've done, I will typically bottle six beers out of, straight out of the carboy. Okay. Before I transfer the keg. All right. That's not a bad, that's not a bad jam. And then I'll use the Domino sugar cubes to carbonate with. Okay. Okay. Just like, not like from the homebrew store, just like from the grocery store. Yep. Oh, one Domino sugar cube does, does the trick. That's uh. yeah. One for a 12, two for a 22. Okay. All right. Do you, uh, um, is there any like worry about when you throw that in there? Are you just throwing the raw cube into a bottle? Yeah. Okay. Sweet. Yeah. Uh, and I've uh, do that. Um, mostly the reason that I do that is for competition purposes. If I am going to send it off, you know, if if I have some after it's kegged and I go, wow, this is really good. I need to, you know, pull a couple of these back. Mm-hmm. Um, if I don't do that, then I'll give those away. If I go through those, giving them away. Um, then yeah, I'll just, I'll bottle a couple off the keg and I try to do it as close to giving it away as possible. Right, right, right. So what's your, what's your bottling method? Um, I built a, uh, the poor man's, um, counter pressure. Counter, okay, nice, nice. Um, but I have the, I'm like keg I have the inner tap flow control nozzles. Nice. So you can really dial back the pressure on those, right? Like so you, you can, you can actually close it off, so it's not flowing. Um, so what I and then they have the interchangeable tips, so mm-hmm. they've got one with a ball lock on it, right? So I, I put that on, and then I've got a little hose that I go down to uh, the bottle filler with the uh, stopper on it, and I'll fill up just like that. And That's- you get a little bit of waste. I do it over a bucket. Um, but it's not too bad, especially with those flow control nozzles. Yeah, that's actually that's actually badass. So we have a, 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 a not a poor man's counter pressure bottle filler, and there's I mean there's I think anytime you're bottling out of a keg, I would say it's a not a rich scale, man. There's, there's just it's waste. It's the middle of the road. I mean, it's a, we don't have the Blick Man. No, we don't have. Got, actually, I like you got it better. Middle class one. Yeah, I like it better than the beer gun. Oh yeah. But anyway, that's 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 fine. So you uh you you rig that up. Go ahead, Jason. Well, no, it's just the the because when we got it, I thought in my head I was like. I could build this. 
Oh, I could totally. And what I really should have said in my head was, oh, someone could build this. <laughs> and so you actually built your own. There's no way that I'm building that because I just would get frustrated and, and upset about things. So speaking of building your own, your DIY skills, don't uh, they don't just stay in the homebrew sphere. You you talked to us before the show about some some cool projects you've done at home. You want to share a little bit about that? Yeah. So my uh, my wife and I were just going to do like kind of a kitchen touch up. Um we wanted to do it as inexpensive as possible, so we painted the cabinets. We're going to paint the walls and all the trim and everything. And she's going through this plan. I'm going, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, that's fine. And she goes, and you're going to make the countertops. And I was kind of like, what? I'm going to what? With what? Like, <sighs> but uh, so I so I made all my own kitchen countertops out of oak, and they came out really nice. I'm I'm really happy with them. That's badass, um, by the way. Like mad props, and that's going to pictures in the shots, everybody. All right, and um, I've made a couple of lamps and, you know, just anything that I, I need to do. I, I've always kind of been a doer. When we first started dating, she thought that I fixed appliances for a living because her oven wasn't working, and I fixed that, like, the third time that we went out, so. Nice, nice. It's always good when you can you can uh, pr- provide that much value yeah, but that don't, early don't in a let relationship, that, right? Don't let that rumor get started. Like, don't let her tell people. Obviously, you guys are far down the road now, but if she's going around telling people, oh, he fixes appliances, then suddenly everyone's asking you to fix their appliances. I, I, I think it's actually fine to be the appliance fixer guy as long as you don't also own a pickup truck. <laughs> and I, yeah, you cannot own a pickup truck. No, it's, it's so you, bad. You, no one can know that you own a pickup truck because right. someone's moving. Someone has something. Yeah. Well, and I had a buddy who owned a pickup truck, and he was like, "I am getting a manual pickup truck, so no one can borrow this shit." <laughs> and I'm like, "You, you, you fucker! Now you just have to drive for them." <laughs> like, <laughs> right. Now it's not just the truck that's gone. You have to do. You it. have to go too. Like you, you, you really, you really messed it up here. That's good stuff. So you said you brew the stuff that you like to drink. What, uh, what's you, like, what's first of all, like, what's your go-to commercial beer now? Not, uh, not the, uh, the MGD from back in the day. And then, how does that translate into the what you brew? I, I think the the go-to commercial beer these days. Um, I almost don't have one because there's so many choices out right. there, and mm-hmm. a lot of what I'm trying to do is kind of grab ideas for what I might want to do next. Sure. Um, and there's quite a few breweries in this area that are constantly releasing some, you know, something new. Mm-hmm. And it's not that I'm like white wheeling it out there trying to, to chase the, the next new thing, but there's so much that I haven't tried yet. It, I, I haven't really had a staple lately. Um, as far as styles that I make, I think I've only made one or two recipes more than once. I've done like a, a blonde ale that I did some uh, a more late edition hops to kind of pull out those aromas right. and flavors without the bittering end of it. It's a great poolside beer. Um, but I've done anything from, you know, nut browns to a few New Englands, um, some amber ales, IPAs, uh, a few Belgians. So it's kind of been all over the board. And that, that's one thing that I do like about the brewing. You know, as many options as there are today. Mm-hmm. You can make you know, so many different things. Well, right, and there's so many things that you can't find because everything is IPA. Right. Yeah. Well, that's what I think. Uh, my first beer of the summer is going to be a, 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 a thing I talked about on the show before, a smoked a smoked Martin beer, and I'm super jazzed to put that thing out. Oh yeah, I bet. Yeah. So when you uh, for the customer appreciation day for your uh, yeah uh, your wife's work, what beer do you 
Okay. I'm now I'm trying to imagine I'm going in, I'm getting my hair cut. Um maybe getting some color put in because I want to feel fancy. What is it that I'm drinking? What what did we end up making for that? So we did um they actually closed the salon and they had um a few vendors come in with products and oh, then they okay. had some wine that was being served that the woman could uh, buy a bottle of. Um it made sense to me on so many fronts to do the Blindale form. Okay. Right? Because the name of the place is House of Blonde. Ah, nice. Um, so I called it Goldilocks. Nice. Um, she texted me about 45 minutes after the event started and said, your beer's going great. She texted me about an hour and 20 minutes after and said, it's gone. They want more. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> but it takes weeks. It's going to take a few weeks, uh, <laughs> but I can uh, I can nail it down. That's a good problem to have. An empty keg coming back is, yeah, I'll take it, it every great. time. Yeah, that's awesome. That's the 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 that's always the judge is, is not whether or not people say they like it, but whether or not they drink it all and ask for another. That's, that's right. Always good. Yeah, she had a client that wanted to drive to my house and get the keg that I brewed for myself too. Oh, mm. all right. Yeah, as long as you don't uh, <laughs> let them take it. Well, no, I mean, no, there was none of that. Is yeah. bartering okay with homebrew? <clears throat> I don't know. Yeah, yeah, no, right. but bartering is a, a long-standing tradition in homebrew. You trade beer for beer, right? So talk about yeah. You, if well, they were if they were also offering you their homebrew, then maybe it's probably okay. Well, but. I was I was actually talking about like illegally taking it for something else of value, Jason. That sounds illicit. Yeah. So uh, at any rate, <laughs> so you talk about making New England IPA. Uh, so this uh, honestly, I I've never uh, done this because you know I you never I, made an IPA, New England IPA. Oh right, okay. Or an East Coast IPA, whatever the hell you want to call it. Because I guess here'd be an Indianapolis IPA. Um, so, uh, but I think I, I've been reflecting on it because like one, they're pretty good. I like to drink them. We we used to hate on them. Whatever. Um, they're fine. I, I, I honestly I don't make them because I want to do all the work on brew day. Oh man, I had a really bad one the other day. A New England IPA? Yeah, and I can't remember. I And I probably shouldn't say where it was from anyway, but it was not good. It was like the worst part of the uh, grapefruit peel <laughs> without any of the like actual juicy grapefruitness. That's that, gross. Yeah, it, it was... Um, had it been clear and then slightly less milky tasting, it would have been great. But it had like a, a texture because of all the stuff floating in it. It didn't have the juiciness huh. that I was expecting... Yeah, I'll figure out the name and then not let everyone know because... So not in the shows. Not in the shows. I will know. You'll know. Um, so yeah, I, I'm basically, I think I think the, the reason I don't make them is because I'm lazy and I don't want to fuss with dry hopping and, and worrying about schedule and temperatures and fermentation. So can you talk about like the, the challenges of, of producing a high quality uh, new uh, East Coast IPA at home? Um, so I made a couple of them. The first one that I made was, was my favorite. That one I dry hopped. I think it was about 24 hours after I pitched, and then oh, so right there it during was in the carboy probably 10 days, um, and it had finished up. I think it like I, I knew it was going to go pretty quick as far as fermentation. So I think on day like six or seven, I dry hopped it again. Okay. Um, that one was actually bottled. I was I was not kegging yet. Um. But it was a solid beer. Yeah. The second one I actually dry hopped at pitch. Okay. Woo. So a lot of um, fun bio transformations going on there. Well, and Sierra Nevada recently did a, uh, a a study about the effects of dry hopping and flavor and everything. Mm. Um, and they did a, a, a pitch dry hop 
And the later that you dry hopped, the more, you know, dank and piney the flavors were when they did their sensory testing. Uh, I wasn't as big a fan of doing it at at pitch, though. I liked the like the day after. The day after, right? Yeah. Uh, so you're going back in. So typically for you, you're 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 hitting it twice with dry hops, once during fermentation, and then once once as it's conditioning. Yeah, pre-package. Yeah. I'll do like probably two days before package. So do you do you pull those guys out, or do they stay in? Um, I mean, obviously you pull they, them out before you bottle, but. They, yeah, obviously before you bottle, but um, or before you keg, but they stayed in the the first charge stayed in when I did the okay the second one the second charge oh. yeah I might have to I might have to give it a whirl but uh, like I said I'm it's give so it hard to whirlpool. put hops in a bag and drop it. <laughs> you got to sanitize the bag and the the, the fermenter top I'm so lazy <laughs> I mean if you're gonna leave them in though you could free dry hop them yeah that's fair that's fair um yeah. So yeah, that's uh. So what's what's kind of the you mentioned you've done a couple of times. Like what hops are you using? What what kind of what kind of beer do you end up with? I'm I am in the minority that I don't like Cascade or Amarillo. Okay. You know, most people do there. Um, I love Citra. Centennial is my favorite hop mm-hmm. by far. Really like Mosaic, Eldorado. Um, I've heard Equinot is maturing quite a bit to to really start to pull out the citra or the the citrus flavors more nice. than the floral same thing with laurel um but the 2018 crop of those are, are really starting to produce that citrus note so i'm probably going to try those pretty soon um nice but otherwise you're, you're making some some east coast beers with some really traditional west coast flavors which is probably pretty interesting right that's fantastic. So uh, I said that's fantastic. I'm trying not to say that's fantastic <laughs> on the show. You should uh, have a fantastic jar that you got to put like a quarter. A quarter. In. Oh my god, the what? show would we, the show would finally make money. What I should what I should do <laughs> what I have from me. <laughs> what I should do is I should give Jason a soundboard and he's allowed to push a button every time I say it. That would probably get me to stop. I in short order would just let it. I don't know. It's much. It's much more fun for me to let it build up and then to make fun of you about it later. Oh, yeah, jokingly, kiddingly, fantastically, fantastically. Yeah. <laughs> so we were talking earlier about homebrew clubs, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So in addition to homebrew talk, what's uh, you go to? You have a local homebrew club. I mean, obviously, you, you there's probably like 15 homebrew clubs because there's four homebrew shops. Wait, well, hold on. Yeah, for, there, there, oh, there are quite a few out of here. Um, the one that, that I'm a member of is called Wingnut Brew Club. We're out of St. Charles, Illinois. And uh, we do a, a couple of things that I think are pretty unique. First of all, we brew at every meeting. Oh, nice. Oh, that's awesome. Um, so typically, and, and then we'll do three events a year, uh, three beer fests that we pour beer at. Uh, one's in May, the Ottawa Mashup Homebrew Tasting and Competition. Uh, one's in St. Charles in June, the Tri-City Brew Fest. And then the other one is in September. It's the Oswego Brew at the Bridge. Um, but in addition to that, what we'll do, you know, we'll brew and then we'll drink a previous beer that we had brewed at a, at a previous meeting Nice at, at that meeting. So, um, and then last year we did a Learn to Homebrew Day in November. Um, and that we actually held at a local brewery, D&G Brewing in St. Charles, um, so we had three people that were out there brewing beers and, you know, advertised the bejesus out of it and had people there all day, just kind of, some of them were longtime brewers and in other clubs and just stopping by to say hi. Some had never brewed, but wow, kind of been interested awesome. in it. Other people that, you know, had been brewing a few times and not in a club. So we had a, a nice mix of people. 
Uh, we also did a raffle and raised about $900 for Project Mobility, which is a local non-for-profit that helped people, um, adults, children, and wounded veterans that have mobility issues. So they kind of help them improve their mobility. We, uh, typically, they paired up with a local bike shop. So, it, you know, a lot of times it's some machine or bicycle type apparatus that helps them get around nice. a little bit better. So. Yeah, it's nice when those the homebrew gloves can not only be about beer, but about giving back. That's always kind of the next right. level. It's nice. And they, they were founded about nine years ago by a group of teachers, so they're really big in the, the education aspect of it. So nice. we try to have an education presentation at every meeting in that as well. Have you ever have you ever been on the docket? Have you ever uh, gotten up and, and talked about something you've done? Yeah, I'm actually the education chairman now. How about that? Nice. So typically um, – just about every month, I, I'm putting together some presentation for him. All right. So what's 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 so you you've done a few presentations. What's the one that do you have one that like uh, goes over really well, or you feel like it's really impactful? So the the two that I think have done really well were my yeast growth and starters. I did a PowerPoint, and the one thing I that when I do a PowerPoint, if I just sent the PowerPoint to you, it would make zero to little sense because I'm not a person that just reads screens. Oh, like, you mean? Yeah. You know, you mean you know I, how to, I hate that. You know how to present? Right, exactly. <laughs> and I try to make funny pictures and stuff so people pay attention, you know. So that one went over pretty well. And then I just did a uh, effects of dry hopping. Um, and that one was basically just gathering information and talking about dry hop creep and making sure people are aware of that, you know, where fermentation is able to drop a little bit lower with the additions of uh, of hops at the right temperatures, you know. So if you if you're dry hopping it, say 65, 66 degrees, you're you're probably going to dry the beer out a little bit more. So you do want to make sure that you leave time for that beer to finish before you package it. Right. Nice. Um, I didn't know that. So thank you for uh, giving me the presentation, Mr. Chairman of the. <laughs> you're welcome. I was about to ask if these were available online, but again, it's not going to make. Well, <laughs> it's not, that, that one I could actually send you guys. Okay. Um, because, like I said, I, that one wasn't really anything original. It was just kind of gathering some information that I had, you know, heard and researched myself. So that one would make sense to somebody if they were to read it. So I can definitely send you guys that one. All right, sweet. We'll uh, we'll that would link, be we'll, put, we'll host it on the website and put a link in the shows. That would be fantastic. So you talked about like brewing at every meeting. Uh, do you, are you guys? Do you guys? Have like a homebrew setup that you guys use, or do you do different brewing styles based on who? Yeah, how do you know brewing? who's brewing and who gets to pick the recipe? We have so many questions. So we we have a brewmaster, okay. and then we uh, always meet at somebody's house, and that's kind of wrote the last couple of years. It's kind of rotated between three guys' houses that we we meet at. I think this year moving forward, one of the guys has kind of taken uh, gotten the the AOK from the family, and we're gonna probably do it at his house most of the time. Sweet, um, but we have. You know, somebody that's been elected as brewmaster and they kind of dictate the at least the recipes and, and uh, either manage or um, ask somebody to help out during brew day. Um, as far as what we're picking to brew, that is voted on by the club. Okay. Yeah, that's... And, and we've done some really cool things. We did a... Uh, a beer last year, the year before, where we took a Saison and did a, like 10% of the grist was soured overnight and then added to the rest of the grist uh, during the mash. Um, we did a, we had a, we got a bourbon barrel and I think they did nice. a, a barley wine in it. And when the barley wine finished, then we fermented a Saison in the barrel. Nice. And then when that came out, we put another Saison with a bunch of apricot on top of that, right back in. So 
Um, yeah, I mean, some different stuff. You know, we kind of played around with a few different things. We did a, uh, we're doing a brute now for some of the festivals that we're coming up with. Um, we got a cherry sour that we do at all the festivals that are kind of a crowd pleaser. They really like that. So nice. So does the brewmaster change like every year? Yes. Yeah. All right. Sweet. Yep. So you get uh, you get the guy that does sours in. You get sours for a year. Oh, you said the club votes on the style though, right? Yep. Yeah, we voted every meeting what we're gonna brew. So it, it's constantly changing. And the nice thing is, you know, even if it's not the brewmaster's forte of understanding, first of all, he's got a month to kind of figure out what he's going to do with the recipe. And then there's enough knowledge there that if we need to pull from somebody and say, hey, have, you know, anybody have any history with one of these things, chances are somebody in the club has. There's a, I know at least two guys that are active members now that are uh, pro brewers. And I think there's been a few other guys that have, uh, gone pro and, and kind of moved on from the club just because of the time constraints. Mm. We, uh, we're we coming up on the break right now, but I think that's kind of a cool thing to, to talk about. After the break, we can talk about kind of what the transition from homebrew to probrew has been like for some people that you've known. Okay. Um, yeah, and just because that's always like a, a thing that many homebrewers aspire to. So we'll take a quick break and we come back. We'll talk about making the transition from homebrew to probrew. Welcome back to Plato's Gravity. This is Aaron and Jason back. We said we were going to talk you about... Why? But I wanted to say my name. I'm so sorry, Jason. Go ahead. Say what, my name. What is your name? When no one is around By you. the way, you're not supposed to do it after the comeback from say the break. Say baby. This is not part of the you. show. All right. Let's... Uh, let's. So we said we were going to talk about making the transition from uh, homebrewing <laughs> to pro-brewing, but uh, over the break, we talked about something more interesting. So we're doing that instead. We might talk about uh, transitioning from homebrewing to pro-brewing later. We, uh, we were talking about what it would be like if you had a, uh, what do you call it, Jason? A, a club-wide Frankenbrew. A Frankenbrew. So uh, where everyone gets to bring some ingredients and you uh, turn it into a beer. We, we should also say kitchen sink uh, beer. Kitchen is, sink sure. is a, a club-wide kitchen sink beer. A club-wide kitchen sink beer for those who don't know what Franken beer is. Yeah. But um, no, I think what you would want to do is you want to break it down uh, and like break what down? So ten percent, like like like, <laughs> let's say you got like for the grist, so people can like roll a dice to see which which part they get to bring or something like that. So like you might be responsible for ten percent of the grist. Well, maybe. But or you I- might be responsible for hops, or you might be responsible for. Fruit or whatever. Maybe this is me being like an overly adventurous person, but I want there to be a uh, a not one hundred percent chance of success. I want there to be a chance of this just being garbage. I don't think you have to try to make a Franken beer (laughs) possibly bad. (laughs) No, I don't think so. You know, I kind of like the idea of you know throwing names in a hat and okay, we need some. Some grist, and you leave that up to two or three people, so you're not going to have the same grain come. You know, you're not right. going to do a smash beer, obviously. Um, and you, you just kind of pull names out of a hat, and so you do. You know, your your grain, your uh, your hops, your yeast, and throw yeah. a couple adjuncts in there and see what happens. Yeah, see what I mean. I think you know it's a good way to learn because weird shit's going to happen, or not weird shit's going to happen, and you're going to learn about ingredients. And I think that's pretty fun. I think. The, the cool thing about brewing a smash beer or brewing a Franken beer is that you learn things, but no one ever wants to spend their own time doing that alone because that's a waste of time. Because you, what you don't want is a bad beer when you spent four hours at home by yourself. Right. And you have now 10 gallons or five gallons or whatever of beer and it's, it's shit. But what if it's a. It's weird to think about inventing 
a new amazing style of beer because beer has been around for so long. But what if you just invented a new amazing style of beer? Like a New England pastry style? Yeah. That's how that happened. Someone was like, uh, let's put cherries and... <laughs> Uh, no, that's that's crazy. So let's. Uh, so yeah, if you guys have a if you if you guys are listening to the show and you have a homebrew club and you do a Franken beer, uh, please let us know and we would love you to come on the show and talk about it. That would be awesome. You can reach out to us at podcast at platosgravity.com or any of the other ways at Plato's Gravity. You find us. Uh, so you said you guys had a couple of people from your homebrew club who have have turned pro. Um, ha- how much have they engaged the homebrew club in that transition? So they, I've been a member with them for, I think it's like two and a half years, somewhere in there. So I, I was not around when that transition took place. I do know uh, one of them brews at Lagunitas in Chicago and he is still actively brewing and, and been a pretty big part in continuing to help the club. Um, In fact, when he took a, uh, a, a bigger role at Lagunitas, he was our brewmaster, um, he did step down from that role, but he still is pretty influential and, in, you know, helping us out. And, um, so the other member that we currently have that is pro, I don't know if he's still, uh, home brewing. I, I think he is. Cause there's times, you know, we always bring beer and stuff. to right, right. Um, and he's definitely brought some stuff in. I don't know if it's stuff that he still had back from when he was brewing more, um, but he's actually working on a project right now down in Texas, so he's probably going to be leaving us oh, in yeah. July and going down there and opening a new brewery. Well, a lot of times the the small brewers we interviewed uh, the the folks at Crazian Brewing, and they have a four barrel brew house, so they still you know air quotes homebrew, but they homebrew to <laughs> to drive recipes for their small four barrel brewery. Right. Like they have a five gallon system and a ten gallon system in the back room, and yeah, they they do stuff. But then whatever they make, they just they just put it on tap. Yeah, and I know the guy at uh, DNG and um, in St. Charles DNG Brewing, and he was a home brewer for a long time, and he's kind of talked to me a lot about that transition and that he has a I think it's a one barrel pilot system. All right, and so when he's talking about you know doing something, I, I always ask him, are you going to do it on the especially when it's weird, you know. Are you going to do it on the one on the one barrel system? And he's like, nah. He's, he has a seven barrel system. Seven like, barrel. Nah, go for broke. Go for broke. Yeah. You know, do it or don't. Yeah, so. seven barrels is kind of like that's getting to the point where if it's too much, if seven barrels is probably like a, among the 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 size that like if brewers have more than seven barrel brew house, then they they don't do that shit. They make it on the pilot brewery. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, yeah you like, don't want to be dumping you know ten or. 20 barrel batches especially if you're doing a double batch you know that's crazy yeah no i've yeah i've listened to some stories of brewers and it seems like that adventuresomeness goes away right about 15 barrels they're like (laughs) oh we're gonna make sure it's good before we put it in there so yeah i've actually helped out dng and two or three brew days on their seven barrel system so that was fun that's pretty awesome what uh so talk about that talk about like what brewing on a seven barrel system like what if you had never brewed on a seven barrel system and you'd only brewed at home? Like what what surprises are there? So I was surprised. He, he's got what I'll call a kind of a skeleton system okay. in that he has a uh, an old dairy tank that he's converted into a mash tun. Okay, mm. wow. So he, and then a, like a different shaped dairy tank that he has converted into a boil kettle. Okay, and then he's got two seven barrel unit tanks to ferment in. 
you know, the first time that you go in there and you see all this big equipment, you know, and, and it's brew day, you're, you're kind of starstruck and you don't know what the hell to do. And, but I was really surprised after the first day of how similar, how similar it really was to brew on that system. And right. so by the time I helped them do the second batch, it's just more of what we're doing now. It's completely different than somebody that has a lot more automated system with solenoid valves and everything else right, that right. would, you know, especially at the front end would be a little bit, uh, scary to walk into. But at the end of the day, it's the same thing that we're doing at home. Right. It's just more of it. Right. You know? and, and, and that's not to minimize what they're doing because it is different in the math and everything else. There's different calculations and everything. And there's certainly a lot of risk that go involved. You know, if, if you are dumping 14, 15 batches of beer, that's a lot of money going down your drain and a lot of risk that you're taking just opening that business. But when you really step back from the beer end, it really is you're, you have milled grain and you're trying to extract the sugars out and you're boiling it and you're fermenting it. And, and, and that's as basic as it can get, but that's really what you're trying to do. Yeah, I think that's that's kind of a you know for for homebrewers to hear that's kind of that's kind of exciting. It's like oh yeah, you know, you, you, and you know I've tasted enough homebrew from from folks at our homebrew club that like you can make just amazing beer at home, and yep. part of it is because it is it's just the same process. Right. Absolutely. You can also make shit beer at home though. I can attest to that. Yeah, I've made a, a batch or two that wasn't great. Yeah, you want to tell the story of your worst one? Uh, I had a about an eight percent. Uh, for an extra stout that I had spent a lot of time on. I was really, really excited about this beer, and uh, it was not good. Yeah. And I, I was very, very fearful of bottle bombs because I, when I went to try the first one, it just geysered like no other. Oh, mm. that's the worst. And, th- and then it didn't taste well either when I did, did like, try to save a, a quarter of a glass, you know. Um but I uh, so yeah, I dumped all of it down oh, the drain. It yeah. sucked. Yeah, it's uh, it happens. I think uh, to the best. I feel like if you if you haven't dumped a batch, you haven't you, you only made you haven't made enough. You haven't made enough beer. Right, I agree with that. Yeah, that's good stuff. So uh, I think it's I think it's time for my, my favorite episode or my favorite segment of the show, which is Jason's off the wall question. Yep. Um. <laughs> hmm. Um. Are you ready for this? I think so. I don't know that I could be ready for it, though. That's... Um, Do you ever watch the movie Space Jam? Honest answer is I just watched that for the first time like a month and a half ago. Oh, not only was that the off-the-wall question, we learned something very interesting about you. <laughs> uh, hold on. How did you watch it for the first time? Uh, I know. A, a Chicago person who loved Michael Jordan and the Bulls, and I just... So I don't know. I mean, Hold on. Do you, like, do you it, no longer love Michael Jordan? No, I, I don't have any issue with Michael Jordan. The oh, under, I just the, the, the past, underwear salesman. No, just the past tense of the word love. There, I just was curious if, if okay. you fall out no. of favor. Yeah, I. Uh, it was just one of those things I hadn't seen. And my wife and son recently, uh, I think my wife was like, "Oh, we're gonna watch Space Jam," and I went, "You know, I've never watched that movie." And she kind of had the same reaction you guys just had. What? <laughs> How could you yeah. never watch that? So. It's yeah. a. Uh, I, I mean, of the things to know Michael Jordan for, I, I don't think it's 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 probably not the best thing he's Obviously, ever done. Obviously, it's his baseball career. <laughs> <laughs> but there is a there is a. I do love that. I love that movie. Uh, I remember my oldest brother listening to the soundtrack to that movie over and over and oh, yeah. over again. You don't have a forty five jersey on your wall. 
No. 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 <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. That's uh, that's good stuff. So space. That was that's it, Jason. Just the Space Jam question. There's no there's no follow up. Yeah. All well, right, so it was really, and I can tell you how I arrived at that question. Let's do that. <clears throat> was that I said, "Are you ready for this?" And then I thought about the Space Jam soundtrack because my oldest brother used to listen to it over and over and over again. Are you going to listen to it today, Jason? No. <laughs> this is uh. Today, today is a first for Plato's Gravity in two different ways. Um, uh, one, we're recording two episodes today. So uh, Jason Kelly is our first episode, and then we're having the guys from, uh, from Exit 12 on who've been on the show before later on today. Uh, they'll be two weeks apart for you listeners at home. But it's also the first time we've ever played uh, Tap on Tapped with the person who named the game Tap on Tapped. So we, uh, we're going to play a fun game. Uh, it used to be called They Said What, for those of you who don't know what the hell I'm talking about. But Tap on Tapped is where I read three um, reviews of a beer uh, from Untapped, and Jason Kelly is going to guess the beer. I I'll also guess. I think he's going to – yeah, Jason, Jason – uh, They will be bad guesses. They don't, they, Jason doesn't know the beer, so that's good. Uh, so there will be both <laughs> Jasons not knowing the beer. Listeners at home should note the way that Aaron turned the monitor, not actually so that I can't see it, yeah. but just turned it in a way that – it felt like that if, was what he was trying to do, and then it didn't I realized it was impossible. But Jason's not a <laughs> cheater, so um, okay. So I did pick a Chicago Land beer. Okay. So uh, Chicago Land is big, so that's Chicago. not super helpful. But uh, you know, it's uh, it's in your neighborhood. Um, neighborhood, broadly speaking, um, I don't actually know where you're until I didn't know where your neighborhood was until you told us on the show. Um, so. Um, the first review is uh, from a guy named Reggie. Hey, Reggie. And Reggie's drinking Miller? it. Uh, it is not Reggie Miller. Okay. Um, no. A lot of sports uh, references happening There today. are so many. Uh, Reggie is drinking this beer at the Tundra Lodge. Okay. And he says, one out of three people here are drinking Bush, and I'm not exaggerating. He had it on draft, and he earned the Draft City Level 44 badge. Okay. okay. Uh, Reggie's not helping you out too much, and I'm Reggie, I'm sorry. but he's at a bar where people are where drinking people are bush. drinking bush. So uh, it's at a beer where bush is at it's at a bar where bush is also served. This could be a hint. Uh, okay. All right, Ryan F is drinking this beer uh, at Hi, Lehigh University Police Department. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if. <laughs> I don't know if that's like illicit. Illicit. I mean, are you allowed to talk about how you drink beer at the, the police station? Like, I don't know. Well, is he incarcerated? Like a, Does he have a flask? I don't really know. This could be. I, I'm guessing if they were at a bar where Bush was being served and everyone was drinking it, uh, and and maybe this is the name of a bar or a, a venue. Do you know? Is does Lehigh a place that has a police department? I'm not from. Lehigh's a street. I don't know. I don't know if I have anything beyond that. All right. Uh, well, and the beer. The beer was purchased at Jewel Osco in a can. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So uh, that's interesting. So he's drinking some canned beer from the Osco at a police station, um, and he says, "Dank brews with Nathan." That's that's super helpful. Dank brews okay. with Nathan. Oh, um, well, Nathan yeah. likes the dank. They're drinking dankness. At they the are drinking police dankness. Station. Uh, and the final review we have is from Paul S, and he is drinking this at the Schultz Abode. I don't know what that is. Neither do uh, I. He purchased the beer at Meyer and then took it to the Schultz abode. I'm guessing that's someone's house. Uh, well, perhaps the Schultz. The Schultz. The Schultz abode. Like uh, they just trying to be clever. The uh, guy that created Peanuts, the comic strip. Yeah, it's, he's it's, at it's, their it's house. Charles Schultz's house. <laughs> uh, he brought beer from Meyer. He says, "Great all-around IPA, crisp and fresh hops with a simple yet substantial candy-like maltiness that just barely balances out the hops." I don't know if that's a compliment or not. 
Like, does it balance out the hops appropriately, or does it barely get to appropriate, or is it barely balancing them out so it's not quite enough? I don't know. So, I don't know that he knows either. Uh, we'll find out. Well, actually, we won't. I'm not going to call Paul S., um, but he does say it has a substantial candy-like maltiness, and it's a great all-around IPA. Well, that's... Okay. Here on um, the level 40, Land of the Free Badge. Okay, so Chicago Land. How, how are we defining Chicago Land? Broadly. <laughs> All right, so... Well, my original guess was going to be old style, but the last, you know, Paul kind of helped me out and, and canceled that because I would not classify old style as an IPA. I should have mm. done old style. That'd be so on brand for me <laughs> to do old style. That's why I thought we, we had Cub Talk earlier, yeah. so... I should start leaving hints early in the show for the beer. That's a really good idea. So it's an IPA that would be available in stores uh that would also elicit such a long review by last fellow uh in chicago thinking like revolution yeah like uh what is their ipa oh man oh man ah i don't it's got the fist because they all have the fist fist city fist city uh so you crushed it on the brewery you missed it on the beer Okay. Uh, I'm gonna give you. I like to give hints because it's a hard game. It's their flagship IPA. Is that the Ooh. name? Is it just called flagship? No, no, IPA? it's not. It's not. It's just their IPA. That's like their biggest seller. Uh, I don't. According I according to the their description, I cannot remember what their IPA is called. I I can't imagine it not being Fish City. Ah, well, perhaps I is it the Che Guevara Fidel Castro? It's got like the green fist on it, right? Yeah, Yeah, they they call uh they call their flagship IPA uh antihero. Antihero, that is it. Yeah, Yeah. it's it's Uh, an iconic ale featuring a blend of Warrior, Chinook, Centennial, and Amarillo. Uh, that's why you don't not. That's why you don't like it, (laughs) right? There was no, uh, no. there was a time where every time I went to Chicago, I don't know, if, it's not the brewery. It cannot be the brewery, but they have a restaurant in uh, like Logan Square right off the blue line. Yep. Every time I would go to Chicago, I would always stop there. And I'm a little sad that I didn't remember the name of the beer. But that's, was that it like was, a pizza place? Yeah, there's a, the boiler room is right by there. Um, okay. Where you can get a uh, uh, oh man, what is that called? It was a slice. Oh, a PB and J, a Paps Blue Ribbon, a slice of pizza, and a shot of Jameson for like five bucks or something like that. Man, that's a deal right there. That was uh, they don't, yeah. They don't know that 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 PBR is now like five dollars a can because of the hipsters. Oh my god, it's probably like hams or something now. I don't know, man. So. Um, so you're in like an area where the beer culture is is super strong, and I know you said that you you are you're out looking for new stuff all the time. So can you talk about like what are your favorite breweries there? Um, yeah, so the few that I've been to, you know, first of all, I'm looking. I want good beer, obviously, when I'm going to them, but mm. um, I also want some good conversation. Right. And what bugs me nothing more nothing bugs me more than when you walk in and you've got somebody behind the bar that's just completely lackluster and won't talk and usually when i walk in these places by the time i'm done i'm talking to patrons and everything else you know right 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 um spiteful brewing spiteful uh, okay i've been there a couple of times they definitely hit it on the head um i had really really good beer at roaring table up in up north i can't remember exactly what town they're in um uh let's see imperial oak has some really good stuff uh, Sketchbrook Brewing did a really good job. 
Nice. And I think, I, I don't know these breweries that you're mentioning, but my, my sense, from my experience, like when you go into smaller breweries, you almost never run into that. Like you go in and the bartender is just slinging beer and might as well be serving Bush Light. Um, when you go to the smaller breweries, you almost always get that, that better experience. Um, I agree with that, yeah. If you go into the big guys, you know, sometimes, you know, you're going to get good beer more than li- more likely than not. Otherwise, they wouldn't be big. But then you don't always have that same kind of experience that you want where you might talk to the brewer even, uh, which is cool. Oh, that's a uh, – apparently this brewery, Roaring Table, has a an IPA with candy in the name that apparently that would have been a really good guess. Oh, right. Yeah. I'm looking. I was looking to see what town they were in because you asked, and then I stopped paying attention. To Lake Zurich. I honestly, Lake Zurich, Illinois. I I've had yeah. really good experiences with smaller breweries in uh, in Chicagoland. Um, a lot so, of the, do you ever like go into like a brewery and just like sell their beer to the patrons? That's always a fun thing to do. It sounds like. Um, I'll do that. I go into D and G quite a bit, so I'll do that there. Kind of, you know, especially if somebody walks in and you can tell that they're they've not had a lot of craft beer. They don't really know what they're. Um, looking for on the menu, right? Um, then I'll kind of start asking them, you know, you know, what do you drink, and do you like happy beers or not so much, or you know, and then I'll suggest something. Um, I, I certainly don't. I try not to do that at a place that I've never really been or only been once or twice, unless the bartender is really busy and you know, there's already kind of been a conversation struck up. Then I might. Yeah. So, well, plus then at, that, at that point, you don't know the beer well enough. You know, like, right, oh, exactly. well, you should try their coal. So it turns out their coal's just shit. Uh, like, <laughs> who knows? So, Let me know how it is. I've never had it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's good stuff. Um, flavored Colches is a, is a place I need to go. What? Not for me. What Other do you people mean? like it. Oh, sure. But, like, yeah. what, what do you mean it's a place you need to go? I need to make some more. Oh. Because Colches are really relatively easy style to brew. And then, especially if you flavor it, you can cover up your mistakes. Oh. That's, yeah. What that's, do you flavor them with? Uh, like strawberries or fruit mostly. Okay. Yeah. Fruit. Like I want to try, um, dehydrated fruit as a flavoring thing. I don't know how that would work, but it might solve some of the problems of like, you know, watering down the beer or, or causing, you know, re-fermentation cause you, I don't know. I don't. Don't they have quite a bit of sugar on the dehydrated fruits, though? Yeah, that actually would be the opposite of what I said. I think it would cause re-fermentation might be significantly high risk there. Yeah. I wonder. I, well, I, I uh, as a math guy, I, I have to assume the amount of sugar you should have in there should be calculable. Well, no, yeah, maybe it is. not. If you look at the nutritional facts, you can figure it out. Yeah. yeah. So you should be able to figure out what the amount. You could probably actually get away with a smaller grain bill. Or just I heard though when you're adding beer. fruit, the net difference is almost negligible because right. of the um, added water and stuff that you're adding. So right. that's why I wonder why really it doesn't make a huge difference. I wonder if dehydrated fruit would 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 not cu- have the water. Would sure. Not have the water. I wonder if you would you would get an increase in in gravity because of that. Well, here, so it'd be hard to know though because you you have to measure the gravity when you added this. You see if the gravity would not if you had a tilt. If you have a do you have a tilt? No, I don't. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, tilts tilts are uh, tilts are amazing. I I want one as well, but I, I'm so I'm so cheap. So one of the things, so uh, Jason has has given me some advice uh, on the Twitter d- uh, DM about my new setup that I'm going to purchase. So um, it's very similar, I think, to your to your setup with a couple coolers and things like that. Which Jason? Uh, I, this is not me, right? This is Jason Kelly. Okay. You don't you don't DM me on Twitter ever. <laughs> Uh, that would be weird. That was you have my phone number and stuff. Slide right and, into those and Slack and all that stuff. So, but um, yeah, I think. That 
I'm kind of hesitant to pull the trigger on that system, but I, I really want to get it. I really want to make better beer, and I really want to have that kind of control. But there's a part of me that's like, okay, I could spend 250 to 300 bucks on a couple mash ton, or on a mash ton with a nice false bottom and a second cooler, or I could just not spend that money right now, and then when I decide, buy like a thousand dollar system that's going to be just the last system I ever have. And I'm really struggling to pull the trigger there. Well, you guys are doing brew in a bag, right? Right. Still, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I mean, I guess there's a part of me that like, if you have a system for pulling that that bag out of the of the kettle on that, yeah. My sweet, sweet guns. It's a ladder. <laughs> Shut up! It's a ladder. We have a ladder. <laughs> we use. That's the nickname for the ladder. Is oh, the nickname is my sweet, sweet guns. Nobody has ever stolen your ladder, have they? No, no. <laughs> um, then yeah, I don't. I just don't understand. I guess the what you think the added value is going to be to going up to the two cooler system. Uh, controlling the temperature during the mash, like. My okay. So oh, not yeah. not having to not having to turn the are fire off. Are you recirculating currently? No, 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 no. So the but I mean like right now, um, if I'm on it, we're gonna have like a five degree variance during the mash, uh, with like refiring and things like that and 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 stirring and that's a pain in the ass. But in a cooler, I'm given to understand that I can probably have like a three degree variance in the cooler without doing anything during the mash. Like where if I mash in and the temperature is like 159 when i mash out if i don't do anything it's gonna be like 156 and for me that's like good enough but when i'm just in my kettle it's if i don't do anything and mash in at 159 i'm down at 150 by the time i'm i'm done right so if you're trying to do like a low mash beer if i want like a dry or you know whether i want it dry or sweet or whatever you know that was part of the reason that i didn't go with mash or with uh brew in a bag because the same issue. I wanted to be able to hold temperature, and I mean, my thirteen gallon extreme, it's one degree. Oh, see, that's 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 badass. That's what I'm looking for. So I, I might end up pulling the pulling the trigger on on the on the coolers, uh, but a part of me is like, oh, I could just get like a grandfather, which would be pretty simple. It'll do the job. It recirculates. You lose. You 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 can't do as many things with the grandfathers you can do with the mash ton. But right. it's nicer, and you can do it inside. See, a lot of times what I'm doing too is I'll do a, a ten gallon mash, mm. and then I'll evenly split that word. I'm doing. I'm not doing like party guiles, but right. I'm evenly splitting it. Okay. And then I may do a cold steep on some darker grains or specialty grains, and I'll uh, throw those into one of the pots and use different hops and different. So I, I'm only doing one mash, but I'm getting two beers out of them. Well, and that's the nice thing about the coolers; you could do that easy. Easily, right? I mean, in Bruna bag, you need a you need a uh, a boil kettle like three like twice the size of your of your beer volume or, or more. Really, I mean, you can do a five gallon Bruna bag with a ten gallon kettle, but fifteen is really what you need if you're going to do anything bigger than like you know one oh seven oh. Right. So, yeah, I, I uh, I'll, I'll keep you uh, keep you posted. My first brew day is going to come up pretty soon, even though it's snowing here in Indiana today, which is ridiculous. That is ridiculous. It's like forty five and sunny as could be here. No. Yeah, we had we have it's like thirty six. There's snow on the ground from last night and it is March thirty first, so I'm ready <laughs> I'm ready for it to be a little bit over. Yeah, I don't blame you. I'm uh I'm absolutely ready too. So the next time I'm brewing my plan is to get twenty gallons in the fermenters. Twenty gallons in the fermenters, that's badass. So what what are you gonna brew? Um, I don't know yet. So, something summary. Pro- I'll probably do another New England, and then I'm going to probably do a cider because they're they're um, with the help of Marshall from Brew- Brewlosophy. I, I 
got a really, really easy way to do a cider. Okay. Um, and then I don't know what I'm going to do with the other two. Something, you know, I may do the Blondale or, you know, something light for summer, another pool time beer. And then uh, I might kind of funk up the other one a little bit. All right. Yeah, a little, a little funk. That sounds like a one. So you're, you're 20 gallons in the fermenter, but five, f- four different beers or, I mean, three beers and a cider? Yes. Oh, all right. Two That's, beers at the same we made, time. We made a cider, and again... Hardly like, know her. The problem with me and cider is, cider is the exact opposite of what I said I want to do. I want to do all the work on brew day, and then just wait till it's time to keg. Cider is opposite. Like, you have to keep it, you know... It, if you want to flavor it or if you want it to be any kind of sweet, you have to stop the fermentation. That's uh, that's a, that's difficult. I, how did you stop fermentation? I didn't. It was dry. It was shit. very dry. <laughs> it was like watching early Monty Python. Yeah, it's so easy, dude. You put a little bit of uh, potassium sorbet and potassium metabisulfite right before you, you like the day before you package it. Yeah, it pulls it, and then you back sweeten it with a can or two of uh, apple juice concentrate. Apple it, juice. it was a joke. It was so easy. No. All right. I didn't put as much effort as somebody that's, you know, um, smashing their own and peeling their own apples and everything else. I get that. It's a different Yeah, that's different. Product. But easy again. Summertime, drink by the pool, absolutely awesome. Sweet. We did uh, actually I ended up I, I did put some potassium sorbate in it. Uh, I kegged it. And then when the first batch was so dry and undrinkable, I did put some potassium sorbate in it and then uh, back sweetened it because I still wanted it to be a little dry because that's how I like things. So I back sweetened it with some sugar and cranberry and cranberry juice okay. um, and made like a Christmas cider. See, that, that actually was that actually was drinkable. There's still some of that in the fridge. But Long uh, Christmas. yeah, what's that? Long Christmas. Wrong. Yeah, that's exactly that's exactly right. So. Um, so we are we are coming up on time, Jason. Thank you mu- so much for coming on the show. You're welcome, uh, Jason. I'll do it again, Jason. Uh, Anytime, Jason Kelly. Also, thank you for coming on the show. Thank you very much for having me, guys. I really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. We, uh, if you want to uh, reach out to Jason uh, on Twitter, uh, you can uh, find him at it's at JTK Brew. I'll get it right and it'll be correct in the show notes. Uh, you can reach out to him on Twitter. You can uh, you can learn about his homebrew club by checking out the shows. You can also see the beautiful oak countertops that he produced. If you want to reach out to Jason uh, or me, Jason, co-host of the show, you can find us on Twitter. That's actually Instagram. my last name. Co-host of the show is your last name. At hmm. uh, Plato's Gravity on Twitter, Instagram, uh, Facebook, 4chan, and the dark web, Untapped. You're not on the dark web. I mean, maybe you are. Not at Plato's Gravity. I don't, I don't, I don't do that. So uh, we will see you Send all. Send us your fan fiction. Damn it, Jason. We will, we will see you all next time. In the meantime, buy yourself a mash tongue, brew some beer, and have some fun.